Alan Acock liked to talk about strengths and weaknesses of couples. <laughs> there you go. He went to the store and talked even more, and then no one shared him their troubles. I, that wasn't oh, very good. So you were, you, 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 it kind of fell good. off at the end there, but you were doing okay. <laughs> That's pretty good for just whipping a nursery rhyme out of thin air. Welcome to the Multi-Amory Podcast. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. We believe in looking to the future of relationships, not maintaining the status quo of the past. So whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you and we're here for you. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking about strengths and weaknesses in relationships. We all bring something special to the table in every relationship, yet we also tend to have recurring traits that make our relationships more challenging. Today, we're going to talk about some of our own personal strengths and weaknesses, as well as discussing ways to discover each within yourself and your partners and why it's so important to identify strengths and weaknesses in your relationships. Yeah, so this sort of came to mind when I looked up uh, Kevin Patterson's interview series questions, which were fairly polyamory specific. Um, but yeah, are I think that they can be applied to sort of any relationship. Um, and so let's talk about those specifically. Kevin Patterson posed these questions, which were, what aspects of polyamory do you excel at? What aspects of polyamory do you struggle with? And then how do you address and or overcome those struggles? So when you look at those, I, I'm not personally in a poly polyamorous relationship anymore, but the two of you are. So <laughs> when you see those questions, what do you think of? Well, I want to respond to you with a TED Talk. But oh, 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 okay. <laughs> you want to respond to this with a TED Talk? Well, if you were to condense your TED Talk into like a few sentences, what would they be? Oh, that's really hard for me to do, I Emily. <laughs> I know it is, but I'm going to challenge you right What's now. What's the logline for your TED Talk? There you go. You know? The logline of my TED Talk. Polyamory, monogamy, relationships. It's all the same. Uh, okay, well, I'm cool, talking cool, about cool. what do you, what are you good or not good at? Okay. <laughs> All right. Yes. Okay. I have thought about this since reading these questions. I mm -hmm. have, I have reflected upon this. And if I narrow my focus to be polyamory specific, something that I think that I excel at now. Not in the past, but now. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> is, After 10 plus, like a decade yes, plus. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think that um, I'm fairly proactive about putting in emotional labor into having peaceful metamor relationships when, when that's appropriate. Mm. I think. Is that accurate? Yes. No. Oh, Tear me down. Well, certainly me with up. me. Sure. Yeah. Oh, I, okay. I was, I was okay. grunting in approval. And I, it sounded like you were you were con going to continue your sentence. That's yeah, the one I, I got for now. End. Well, you don't. None of you want to give me to give a TED talk about anything, so I'm trying to be efficient with my words. That's what I okay. think that I excel at. Jace, what do you excel at? Yeah. Oh, okay. We're just going one question at a time. Cool. That's cool, fine. Cool. Sure. That's how she wants to do it. So let's do it. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Okay. I would say aspects of polyamory that I excel at. Um, I would say maybe just based on. Uh, you know, the experience or just having done it for a while. But um, I guess just not feeling a lot of possessiveness toward partners and kind of being like very encouraging of their other relationships. Maybe, you know what, maybe I'll even refine that down a little bit more okay. and say the ability to, I, I think I'm pretty good at staying impartial and being helpful if a partner is coming to me with like hey i'm i'm having a hard time making a decision or figuring something out with another partner like dedeker and i had to deal with this not too long ago about mm -hmm. do i you know dedeker saying do i need to extend my visa to try to stay here in australia or do i try to get a flight back to the u.s like when things were a little more dicey and kind of having that sort of conversation where Sure, from a personal standpoint, I'm like, I want you to be with me sooner. 
<laughs> but I think I'm I think I'm pretty good at also thinking about the other person and going, yes, but once you come here, you don't know when you'll get to see him again. So maybe it does make sense to extend your visa and stay there. So I'd say maybe yeah. that that would be something I excel at. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, now what are you two terrible at? <laughs> this, this question is what do you struggle with? What not do you what struggle are you terrible with? You're at? right, you're right. What do you struggle with? What what things are still challenging for you? Okay. I think what I've identified about myself is when I'm feeling insecurity or vulnerable or jealousy or things like that, I'm slow. My brain and heart are slow to reach that place of admitting it either to myself or others. Mm. And instead, I'm very quick to like find a quote unquote plausible reason why I'm not feeling good. As in, it could be something like, God, I feel still feel bad about this. I feel like my partner's done everything right, but I still feel weird about this. Oh, it must be because of the way they told me about it. Yes, that's it. That's it. That's what we got to pick a bone about. Um, <laughs> that I think that my brain still sometimes has a tendency to, to default to that instead of okay. being emotionally vulnerable. Interesting. Okay. And yeah. Jace? I think I, well, gosh, I feel like I tend to struggle with, um, managing my own expectations of my own like energy level and availability and kind of I'm slowly realizing more and more just how much of a hermit that I am and how much I uh, need to be careful of like my my resources of energy for being on or being being social and especially with new partners you tend to be a lot more on when you're with them it like it takes quite a while before it becomes more of a relaxing time together. Uh, and then also, you know, like I, then I feel like I tend to fall into the problem of maybe being too relaxed or casual with our time together and not making it special enough. Like we talk a lot on this show about quality time versus quantity of time. But I think for me, it's like something I am constantly struggling with is recalibrating my availability, not just like schedule wise, but like, energy wise i guess it's funny because okay from the time like six years ago or six plus years ago when i was <laughs> in a relationship with both of you to now i'd say your strengths and struggles are the same really, <laughs> Which is really, really? Funny to me. <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah because i because i recall you talking about all of those things like way back then to now and right. so like they still clearly are things that you are good at like kind of inherently and intrinsically and then things mm. that you mm. maybe still have a challenging time with. So that's mm. interesting. That is yeah. interesting. Wow. Yeah. That's an interesting. That's cool to have that perspective. <laughs> yeah. And just kind of as a kind of a primer, because we're going to go into more just like overall strengths and weaknesses, not just in polyamory, but within any type of relationship that you're in and personal and then also you know, relationship strengths and weaknesses that you have overall. I am just wondering how the two of you kind of try to overcome these struggles that seem to maybe still be plaguing you, not plaguing, but like maybe you've incrementally gotten better at them, but you still recognize that like they're challenges for you. Well, I overcome this struggle by recording a podcast uh -huh, yeah. and Me too. talking Me about it with too. clients every goddamn day yeah, yeah. uh-huh <laughs> no that not it, everybody it really does help luxury it, okay it does help to have these things in the forefront of your mind you know for me yeah i know not everybody has this but like for me it actually is really helpful to hear clients share their struggles and share their feelings and really be vulnerable with me and it's really inspiring to me to be more vulnerable in general. And it also helps me put in a mindset of often together with a client, we can get in a really good space of kind of brainstorming of like, what are the things that might help here for talking about these things? So I know not everybody works in that particular capacity, but doing something like connecting to a community or having someone close to you or a support network where you feel like you can talk about these things or maybe someone shares your struggle, yeah. I think mm. is a helpful thing. That's great. Yeah. Jess? Uh, yeah, I think for me, it's, uh, I mean, obviously it helps talking about it every week uh, because then these things are more on my mind. Um, but I think just um, specifically with my struggle of overcommitting myself is uh, just, I guess, just sort of remembering that, that even in the moments when I'm excited about 
dating someone new or a new relationship to sort of remember, hang on, I've learned this before. <laughs> let me let me try to be clearer about my availability or about what I have to offer. And I think part of that is being okay with disappointing people by not being able to offer them what they want hmm. and doing that up front rather than thinking, oh, no, I don't want to disappoint someone. So I'm going to try to give them this thing, even though ultimately I'm going to have a hard time doing it. If that makes totally. sense. Yeah. Just sort of being more willing to, to not be, to not try to be what I think everyone else wants me to be. And that's, yeah. that's uh, more of a personal challenge maybe, but, uh, but I think it's related. So yeah, just kind of remembering that and being more okay with that. Yeah. yeah that's hard. It is hard. Yeah. Yeah, these are but... some interesting questions. I appreciate these, um, uh, Advanced level questions, collegiate level questions. I don't know. Um, yeah, they're not one on one questions. Yeah, thank you, yeah. Kevin Patterson. Yeah, definitely. Um, and of course, we want to plug uh, Kevin Patterson and Dr. Liz Powell, who've both been on this show before, uh, working on their new recordings of their "Unfuck Your Polyamory" course. So we definitely recommend you go do a little Google search for that if you want to find out more. Yeah. So okay. We're going to get into individual strengths and weaknesses and what we bring to relationships and maybe what we do need to work on in our relationships. So I guess because you two have talked for a while, I'll maybe say <laughs> one of mine. I, I think personally, I'm very empathetic, but almost to a fault sometimes. Like I'll try to like put people's needs at times maybe... Uh, before my own and it's almost like a martyrdom type thing which is not good so it's like two sides of the same coin like mm. i'm i'm really good at being empathetic but then sometimes i like also overextend myself to a degree that makes me out of out of spoons mm. you know right. for my for anything else in my life and that's not a good thing so it's interesting like that your strengths and your weaknesses can kind of be Two sides of the same coin. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Well, yeah, for sure. I would say um, that your strength is definitely humility, just based on the mm. fact that when you go to talk about a strength, you ultimately ended out with, well, but that's not a good thing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I've definitely been told by partners that I'm a little victim-y at times and by my mother. And so I probably should look at that because I'm assuming it's probably true. And I know like I've been in conversations with you two and then burst into tears because I feel like I'm not being heard or being whatever. And that is probably not very attractive or good in a relationship. So that's definitely something to work on as well. Well, so that actually kind of brings up something that this whole topic has mm -hmm brought up for me is the idea of identifying, you know, points for improvement in yourself, I think is great. I think identifying strengths in yourself is really great and harder to do, I think, for most of us. Yes. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah. And like identifying strengths in your partner is something we're definitely going to talk about in this episode. And I think that's super important. Uh, as far as identifying weaknesses in your partner though i do feel like this one's such a tricky thing because that's also a hallmark of a very toxic destructive relationship is when you're focused on even even if your motivation is positive of like oh well i want to help them get better at this thing it can still be a really destructive thing and anyway so you emily talking about all that brought it up for me huh. of you know talking about you know conversations we've had where you've you know, you'll cry or something because you get frustrated or you don't feel like you're being heard. And maybe Dedeker mm -hmm. and I didn't even realize you were at that point until we see that. And I guess for me, I've never looked at that and gone, gosh, this is a weakness of Emily's. You really got to fix that. Yeah, I've never thought that either. If anything, I've thought that like you're so patient and you're so willing to hold space for like the people around you, mm -hmm. you know, Um that like I really do think it's a strength but yeah like if there's ever a time where like Jason and I have been just like squabbling at each other or anything like that and you're <laughs> and feeling like there for like 10 minutes know, just and you're like feeling like left waiting. out and, and sad and not heard that yeah if it's ever reached that point I've never felt like oh my gosh she needs to toughen up and deal with it and butt in yeah. you know if anything I feel bad that we've been some um 
talkative Thomases. Right. I've, yeah, I guess I've interpreted it more uh, as a weakness on my part of like not being sensitive enough or observant enough to what was going on with you at the time. Interesting. So yeah, well, perspective is also interesting with all this. Too. Yes, it definitely is. <laughs> and I think uh, most of these exercises and things that we're going to talk about don't necessarily they some of them that I found do discuss like trying to identify your partner's weaknesses, but many of them just say to personally identify your weaknesses and then relay that to your partner rather than having them do it to you. And Mm -hmm. I think and then maybe just discussing it and maybe like talking about like, hey, do you see this in me? You know, do you see the strength in me? What do you think my strengths are? And that it's more of like a collaborative thing rather than just one person saying like, you suck at X, Y, and Z. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 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 I think that's the important thing to take away here is, as we like to say, don't weaponize this conversation. No. Um, Mm. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, let's get into this. So I looked up a couple sits and stats type things and studies. uh, And let's talk about one right now. So Alan Acock, A-C- O C K Acock, Alan Acock, Acock, Alan Acock, <laughs> a single cock. Professor <laughs> at Oregon State University completed a study of 326 married couples, measuring 10 strengths and weaknesses. So the study has a scoring system. The couples were rated on how poorly or how well they were able to do each of these things. And the study concluded that the couples had to work on all 10 things simultaneously as opposed to just one trait at a time. And that those who did that were the most successful couples in their relationship. Okay, so he decided like these specific traits. Yes. Yeah. And that those who just like maybe worked on a couple at a time or who like left out others, they did not score as well as those who tried to like overall work on every single element at once which is interesting because all 10 things i mean it's a lot uh so let's get into them yeah okay so we're going to start with the five strengths so the first one is forgiveness then commitment which i have some question marks about what how they measure that what that means i mean yeah this is definitely like (laughs) This is married couples, I'm assuming. Yeah, very monogamy-focused. Monogamy-focused, definitely. Okay, so forgiveness, commitment, question mark, attachment. Also kind of question mark? Yeah, yeah. Also, like, what are you measuring there? Sacrifice, which is interesting and relevant to, like, what Emily was talking about. That that could be a strength or a weakness. Uh, And then power balance, decision-making. Is that, like, power balance slash decision-making, maybe? Yeah, I think that that's what they meant by that power balance decision making. Reminds me of something that the Gottmans refer to as accepting influence. I think I imagine mm. that's sort of a similar thing. Of are yeah. are both people in the relationship? Do they feel like they have an equal sort of say in decision making and stuff like that? Are they being heard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with these strengths, this is interesting because some of them. I mean, forgiveness definitely that makes sense. Commitment, yeah, we were wondering what exactly that means, like commitment to the relationship in time or... I will say, I will say, okay, again, this is kind of just based on Gottman's because um, I know when they do assessments of couples measuring the couple's commitment, the questions that they ask, at least from what I've seen from the back end, is that there's only one question that actually has to do with like sexual monogamy necessarily um, about whether or not you would refuse to have sex with a person other than your partner, you know, and most Mm -hmm. of their questions about commitment have to do with things like, like, do I agree that it's important to help take care of my partner when they're sick or I make sure Mm. that my partner feels loved by me or after an argument, I don't, do I usually think about being happier with somebody else or just Does my partner threaten to leave me when we fight or when I'm feeling bad? Is my partner meeting my needs, you know, or do I feel confident that if I stay in the relationship, that I can stay in the relationship, even if we go through some difficult times, things like that. That's I I like that question, actually, of like after an argument or a fight, do I think about how much happier I would be with someone else? I actually think that's a pretty interesting way to measure commitment that I do think still works in non-monogamy. Where it's sure. like, if I'm having a, a hard time in this relationship, is my first thought, oh, I just wish I was with someone else. Then it's like, hmm, 
maybe that is a problem worth Dying. addressing yeah. versus this is really hard, but I'm engaged with it. You know, I'm still here. Like, obviously, I'm I'm focused on fixing it or figuring it out, but not just immediately going to this, like, I want to escape. Same with, yeah. like, threatening to leave. That is an interesting, because I feel like that question of, well, what does commitment look like in non-monogamy is one of those ones where I'm like, well, obviously, I know the answer to that, but it's kind of hard to put it into words sometimes. Sure. Because our concept of commitment tends to be so much focused in just sexual fidelity. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's or or focused on staying in a relationship no matter what, which we talk about a lot on this show is not necessarily a good thing either. No. So, yeah, that's an interesting way to put that. I like that. And yeah. then attachment. I mean, what comes to mind with is attachment styles mm-hmm. and like wanting a secure attachment. But I'm assuming it can mean other things as well. Like how much I don't know how much care you put into the relationship, perhaps um i guess how uh, generosity yeah Yeah. i think of just like how that attachment bond is and whether that's strong or not sure you know right well secure or not we've read about other studies that talk about like the importance of enmeshment which you know the dark side of that is bubble yeah well the dark side of that's becoming too codependent but it does seem like there's a certain amount of kind of taking on a collective identity with this person that studies have shown to be a good thing yeah so maybe that's kind of what they're referencing here. And then sacrifice. I think it, to me that me that means more like little sacrifices that you make to be able to compromise. Yeah, that makes sense. Like I feel like compromise is maybe a better word there. <laughs> sacrifice I would is agree. like yeah. yeah. It's so hard both those terms, both sacrifice and compromise they can get so toxic so quickly, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, because I think we can all think of the person who's completely sacrificing their happiness, for instance, mm-hmm. in yeah. order to be in a relationship, um, you know, or sacrificing even like their values or their identity in order to maintain a relationship. And I'm like, that's not cool. But kind of the right. day-to-day sacrifice and compromise, that's a give and take. I'm like, that that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, let's talk cool. about um, Alana Cox's weaknesses. Alana Cox, <laughs> it sounds like, um, it sounds like a character out of a, like a nursery rhyme or something like that. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I like yeah, that. I like that. Young Alan Cock liked to talk about strengths and weaknesses <laughs> of couples. There you go. He, he went to the store and talked even more, and then no one shared him their troubles. I, that wasn't oh, very good. That's close. You were, that's you, close. You, it that's kind of fell good. off at the end there, but you were doing okay. <laughs> that's pretty good for just whipping a nursery rhyme out of thin air. <laughs> yeah. I'll give it to you. Well done. Okay, so Alan Cock, uh, his five weaknesses that he used in this study were. Destructive communication, avoidant behavior, relational aggression, marital conflict, and disrespect. Now, I also have questions about some of these because yeah. I feel there's a <laughs> ve- big old Venn diagram and some overlaps. Yeah, I, definitely. Because uh, I'm like, relational aggression, is that just the level of aggressiveness or, or even violence in the relationship? Whether that's emotional violence or or physical violence or... I mean, how does that overlap with marital conflict versus destructive behavior? Is marital conflict related to just like the areas where you're just not compatible so much? Those areas of perpetual conflict like the Gottmans talk about? You know, I got some questions about uh, how you define these things. Yeah, I'm not actually sure how this article does not say specifically how any of these are just defined. It's Mm. just like, here they are. And this is what people were you know, it, it, I guess, what, how they were rated be, good or not good at all of these things. So I agree. I mean, avoidant behavior makes a lot of sense because, again, yeah, the Gottmans talk about that relational aggression. It's weird yeah, that he, he qualifies it with relational or, or aggression. Sure. Yeah. Just have yeah, questions. Disrespect. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think the point of all of this is just, seeing like how much these happen versus the other ones and trying to work through the weaknesses if they do happen on a regular basis and trying to beef up, I guess, the strengths. Right. Right. Like how do we, how do we emphasize the strengths and minimize the weaknesses, I guess. And rather than like that, there's something you can eliminate, but just that it's more about finding a balance in those. 
Exactly. Yeah. So uh, did these come up maybe in relationships past that you've had? Oh, geez. (laughs) I mean, yes, probably, definitely. I mean, I feel like we could do probably episodes on each of these on their own. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like we could probably do a whole episode talking about sacrifice. We have done whole episodes, multiple whole episodes about attachment. Yeah. Uh, Destructive communication. Right. Yeah. I feel like we've we've had some episodes on that. So, yeah, I mean, I don't want to go too far into all this because each of these could be a big thing for sure. Yeah, no, I agree. Just say I was wondering if you saw specific things. Maybe you're like, yes, I remember this in a relationship that I've had in the Mm. past. And that was definitely a a weakness that kind of broke the relationship, maybe. Well, I've been thinking a lot about so many things. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Uh uh, This power balance and decision making, I know it's under the strengths category, but... I can see this also potentially being a weakness if it's like imbalanced, if there's a big power imbalance in a relationship or if there's a lot of decision making that tends to fall on just one person, whether that person really wants that position or not. That's a great point you bring up there of power balance and decision making. While for me, what comes to mind first is feeling like one partner is not taking the other one's input into account and just making decisions Mm. for the both of them or kind of like bullishly charging ahead with their own thing. And when their partner tries to offer other ideas or disagrees, just tell them like, oh, no, no, because of this, 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 and just sort of like constantly putting down that idea. But then on the other side, Dedeker, you pointed out, this could also be one person kind of feeling like they're forced to make all these decisions that the, they want the other person's help with and the other person just like, ah, oh, whatever, you got to pick it. Whether that's about your house or your finances or, you know, I could see that also being a very stressful thing or even the decision making like we talked about in the I'm not your mother episode mm-hmm. of like what to eat for dinner each day is it's like yeah. I have to now I have to make this decision every single day of like what to get, what to make, how when we're going to eat it, all of this that, yeah, that the, on both sides having that decision-making power put on you can be good, can be a good thing or a bad thing, or I guess always a bad thing if it's imbalanced. Totally. Yeah. Well, okay. We're going to talk about some of the ways that we can evaluate strengths and weaknesses in ourselves and in our relationships past kind of these specific ones that this study talked about and kind of go maybe more granular, more specific on what our personal ones are and what maybe y'all's personal ones are out there. Uh, But before we do that, we would like to talk about some ways that you can help support our show and keep these episodes free and this information free to all of you out there. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their sites specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our (laughs) listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping code M-U-L-T-I. All right, welcome back. Let's get into some of the ways that we can evaluate strengths and weaknesses in ourselves and our relationships outside of just sitting down with two of your friends and having an awkward recorded conversation trying to piece it together. (laughs) 
Um, so some things to bear in mind is that it is often very, very difficult for us to recognize our own strengths in any aspects of our lives. Some reasons for that include the fact that we just don't see ourselves like other people see us. Uh, like the fact that, Emily, it's so interesting that you're like, oh, yeah, y'all been doing the same stuff since six years ago. <laughs> and right. and it's when I think about that, it's not like I'm like, no, you're wrong. That's totally wrong. But I'm just like, huh, I would not have seen that through line in the same way. You know, friends and family might see our accomplishments while we see just the full spectrum of our emotions and behaviors and thoughts day in and day out that occurred while we either made an accomplishment or a failure at something in a relationship. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Another one is that some of our strengths might be things we don't even think of as strengths because they just come natural and easy to us. We might just be good at this thing and it's just, oh, well, that's just normal. That's just normal everyday thing that doesn't take any effort. So that can't be a strength. You mean like you being good at like everything technological? Like literally everything under the sun. No, just yeah, everything just like under everything the sun. Everything in general. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Oh. No, okay. See, no, exactly. what it is is Jace, is Jace is good at learning. That's what it yes, is. Like your strength is learning mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. why you're, you are good at everything. I, I do love learning things. That's true. Yeah. So yeah, you really like sit down and take the time to learn, which is very very impressive. Uh, yeah, and a lot of us just think very like narrowly about our strengths instead of maybe looking at them more broadly. So I don't know if a friend, for example, says like, "Well, you're really good at getting projects done. Like you do them." Uh, efficiently and well and all of that but then you look at like well but there was like that one time where i i just mm -hmm. threw away x y and z thing because it sucked and i i <laughs> didn't feel good about it or like i decided to end this project because mm -hmm. it just wasn't going the way that i wanted it to so you like they focus the exactly like focus on the little exceptions rather than seeing more broadly like hey yeah, I I am good at following through for the most part, and I have made some accomplishments in my life. And so, you know, I'm not necessarily procrastinator. I can do these things well. Um, and it's good to, like, look at our behaviors, like, such as following through on something rather than just like, well, I'm a I'm a nice person. And so that's a strength. Like, look at the things mm -hmm. that you do rather than just your individual traits. Mm -hmm. I could also see someone outside of you saying, you know, you're so good at completing projects, like to use your example. Sure. And in your head, you're like, that's not a strength of mine because it's a struggle all the time. Yes. But it's like, but if you look at your actual behaviors, it's like, oh, well, you do stick through it, though. So then it's a strength. Whereas for you, exactly. it might feel like a weakness because it's hard. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel about Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> See, but like, like to me, I'm like, you're freaking amazing at it. But yes, I'm sure it's and been I'm a like, challenge for if you spoke Japanese. You know, I sound like a middle schooler. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's better than like the three sentences I know how to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing is that sometimes our weaknesses truly can be our strengths in certain moments. And I, I want to take this outside of the realm of how we were all trained to do job interviews where you explain a weakness and you mm. immediately flop it into, oh, but that's actually was maybe a good thing in this instance, or it's good because it's improving in this area. I care because too much. I work I too just, hard. And, yeah. <laughs> I'm I get too, too awesome. focused. I, yeah. I try to, you know, I try to include too many people. I'm just... <laughs> I'm just really too good. Um, for instance, uh, you know, maybe you're really stubborn, like someone I know. And by that person, I mean me. Um, if you are stubborn, uh, that could be a weakness, but it could also be a strength in the sense of persistence and really following through with something and being dedicated to something. So she keeps dedicated studying. Dedicated Dedeker. Dedicated Dedeker. She keeps studying Japanese out of stubbornness and not Basically. actually dedication. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a little bit of both. Persistence. Yeah, no, that makes go. sense. That makes sense, actually. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one here is that it's when evaluating our own strengths, it's hard not to compare ourselves to others and say, well, this can't really be a strength because I can think of these people who are even better at this thing than I am. So that must not be a strength. Ugh, this, God, that's this, that's this, the oh, one for me. Gosh. <laughs> both of you, boy. <laughs> Just really. Oh, man. Yeah. When I look at all of these, I feel like that's definitely the one like comparison to mm. others for sure. Yeah, because I feel like basically every single person, well, maybe not every single person, but like the, the people that really matter in my life, like my my closest friends, 
and you know those who I work with, meaning you two, like all of you are just like ten times smarter than I am and ten times more oh, impressive than I am, and oh. I'm just like fuck. I'm terrible at everything. See, because here's of your, that. your strength and humility is shining oh, through. Right, the there it is. There it is again. I feel like that's yeah, <laughs> humility to a fault. Maybe there you go. But See, once yeah, again, that, she's made it into a weakness. <laughs> definitely, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the number one. Emily, you are at least my observation of you is you are humble about everything under the sun, except for two things. Mm. Like the only areas where you are not humble about and you were like proud and (laughs) like, you know, just like loud and proud about your skills in these areas is karaoke and Uh Mario Mario Kart. Kart. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually like not nearly as good at Mario Kart as I used see, to be. See, okay, see now, it just, <laughs> but, okay. But I will. I I am very good at karaoke <laughs> and getting better at singing in general. Thank you to my voice teacher. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's this hard. It's hard to evaluate these things. I, I, it's a weird combination. I think also, especially being raised in American culture, where it, uh-huh. it is a combination of. Being put in a culture that puts such an emphasis on winning and being the best at something and being the top of your game at something, but also a weird emphasis on, uh, well, at least with women, we don't like women who brag or who are really proud of themselves necessarily. With men, it seems to be a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, I don't know. I think there's also, I think our Christian puritanical roots bring in kind of this shame around elevating yourself to a certain mm-hmm. extent, you know, and I do think that our Christian puritanical roots, which affect all of us, uh, makes us more inclined or kind of encourages us to look more towards our bad parts or our weaknesses rather than our strengths. Right. And while at the same time, our sort of business corporate advertising culture then emphasizes this need to like, you need to make yourself look amazing at all times. Yeah, it has to be complete hyperbole. Right. And those two can often be at odds with each other, leading to more like internal conflict then about I've got to put on this face and pretend to be this thing and really play up my strengths and exaggerate my resume. And at the same time, I'm super aware of how much of a phony I am. And it's a real bad cycle. So let's discuss why it's important for you and your partner to be aware of each other's strengths and then also why it's important to be aware of each other's weaknesses. So more study time. Uh, There was a study published in Psychological Assessments that shows that couples who have a greater appreciation for their partner's strengths reported more satisfying relationships and sex lives. And the study also found that couples were more likely to feel that their partner supported their goals and wanted to help them grow as a person when they were more interested in their partner's strengths and cared about, you know, their partner having strengths and working on those Mm -hmm. strengths and continuing to make them grow and flourish. There was also some evidence in the study that participants who appreciated their partner's strengths were more committed and invested in the relationship, that they appreciated their own strengths more, experienced greater intimacy, and were more fulfilled in their psychological needs for autonomy and relatedness. I don't quite know what relatedness means in this case, but... Uh, like relating to each other, relating to I guess others so, yeah. around them. Yeah. yeah. I have a psychological need for my partner to not be blood-related to me. Is that my need for relatedness? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I yes. at least six degrees of separation here mm, as far definitely. as... Like, okay, so the study related. found Not that... just like one first cousin and some... <laughs> Some places of the Uh country. The people who appreciated their partner's strengths were more likely to have their need for not being a close relative with their partner. Is that what you're saying, Denner? That's how you're interpreting this? Definitely. Great, great. Okay. Uh, Also, seeing your partner's strengths as an asset rather than looking for the potential weaknesses associated with that strength leads to happier relationships as well. So those who focused on the costs associated with their partner's strengths. So for instance, if Jace only focuses on how stubborn I am and never <laughs> focuses on how persistent and dedicated I am, <laughs> there's a chance he's gonna re- that he's going to report less satisfaction with my behavior and with the relationship in general. So Jace, don't do that. <laughs> so don't That's a really good point. <laughs> this reminds me of... Um, Again, to cite the Gottmans, they talk a lot about positive sentiment override and negative sentiment override. Yeah. So, yeah, kind of this idea that that like you can kind of have this negative sentiment override that predisposes you to see your partner's actions as negative or maybe even see their strengths as weaknesses. 
necessarily versus mm. positive sentiment override where literally your positive sentiment kind of overrides what's going on as in you're much more likely to give them the benefit of the doubt or maybe see their strengths as well. Yeah. I, I, I found think that's a really important aspect to have. Yeah. And this one specifically what Emily was saying at the beginning, that couples who have a greater appreciation for their partner's strengths reported more satisfying relationships and sex lives. I think that just comes down to this this relatively simple idea of really emphasizing admiring your partner. Hmm. And I think in this way, you know, seeing their strengths is a way of doing that, but of kind of focusing on like, what about my partner do I admire? Uh, I think is a really powerful thing and something that is not generally very emphasized in longer term relationships. It's like during Interesting. the during the court, like think about, you know, TV and movies and all your examples out there. Like when we think about courtship or, you know, the flirting or just starting to date, it's very much focused on admiring each other, often physically, but also, oh, you know, I, I really, oh, you're such a hard worker. You're so creative. You're whatever it is, right? You're so wealthy, whatever it is, right? In the movies, we're very focused on admiring. But then when we look at our examples we have of longer term relationships, they tend to be much more focused on bringing each other down, being annoyed with each other's habits or their faults, or just kind of being in the same space, but not being particularly admiring of each other. Yeah. And it's interesting when I've heard people talk about like their long-term spouses who, who maybe have kids, they're things that they are good at and their strengths. A lot of them tend to rely around that. Like, well, he's, he's a really good father and mm. he's really like kind and good to my kids, but that that's not necessarily an inherent like strength that you have as an individual. It's more like surrounding other people in your life. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So we have to change gears and talk about also being aware of each other's weaknesses. And it can be really difficult and scary for us to face our own personal weaknesses, especially if another partner is present. You know, it can be hard to take ownership of these things. It is important to address them because identifying them is the first step for being able to acknowledge them, work on them, get better at them, find ways, find counterspells to work around them, as it were. So I found a couple fun exercises out there and I tried to sort of like cobble it together into my own exercise. <laughs> okay. It is something that you all out there can do with your partner or individually. But I think that it's kind of fun to like have maybe yourself and then your partner do this individually and then come together and speak about it. So, OK, take a pen and paper and write out all the things that are holding you back in your life or in your relationships like for me personally, we've talked about this a lot, but yeah, like I compare myself to the people around me and therefore find myself to like not be good at things or, you know, whatever, just because I'm constantly comparing myself to people around me. So there's one. Um, so like write down all of the things that are holding you back in life or in your relationships. And then once you have your list, try to change the wording of the thing that's holding you back into maybe a personal weakness. Like, okay, I compare myself to a bunch of people. So that means like a weakness of mine is that I don't believe in myself enough, perhaps. Okay. Um, okay. And then, so once you have like a long list and then you change those into like personal weaknesses, say uh, pick five from your list that you think best represent your personal weaknesses so that you have like, not a gigantic list, but just five that really are kind of inherent within you that you think, yeah, these are the top five things that are like really challenging to me in my life. So if you're doing this with a partner, compare your findings, see if they agree, and then kind of speak about maybe both of, you know, what you have found and the things that you find are holding you back in your life or in your relationships. Now, well, warning time. And that yes. is, this is an exercise don't weaponize this <laughs> this is only an exercise to do when your relationship is in a time and place that it's very solid that you're very supportive mm -hmm. of each other and that this is going to happen in the spirit of lifting each other up and and sharing and being vulnerable in a good way uh if if your relationship at all is one right now that tends to veer toward fights or arguments or putting each other down or anything like that, this is not the exercise to do this. So this is just, I just want to be clear. This is like for when you're real solid. 
Yeah. And I think it also can be used when you are kind of newly in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that when you're still pretty solid because of all that NRE. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. And just maybe when you don't necessarily know each other's weaknesses yet. Hmm. Okay. When they're not like glaringly obvious that it might be interesting to be like, hey, like something that you should know about me is, you know, X, Y and Z thing. And that this is something that I've struggled with for a long time. And this is something that I need to work on. Yeah. So, yeah, we have this list here of some reasons why it's important to be aware of each other's weaknesses. Or maybe I'd rephrase that to why it's important to be willing to show your weaknesses to your partner. Uh, And the first one here is exactly what you were just talking about, Emily. It's that at the beginning of a relationship, especially, it's tempting to only want to show your partner your best self. But these weaknesses or bad habits or whatever will come out. They will see them if they're in your life for a long time. Uh, So there can be some advantage in kind of getting ahead of that, I guess. Having that be something that you're able to talk about as opposed to this thing that once it starts happening, no one has words for it or doesn't know how to bring it up. or They're blindsided by it like, holy shit, I didn't know that like you were going to act like this in this situation. And if they try to bring it up, they don't know if you're aware of it. So that makes it harder to bring up. Yeah. And discussing each other's weaknesses, it's an opportunity to deepen intimacy, to be vulnerable with each other, to relay the reasons why they're there in the first place, to discover new things about how your partner ticks, maybe stuff about their family of origin, about their story, about how their brain works, about how their heart works, you know, that this is actually really, really good meaty stuff to uh, dive into either at the beginning of the relationship or in a relationship that's already been going for quite a while that like these are good open-ended conversations to help deepen your understanding of just what's below the surface for your partner. Yeah, I keep going back to that thing that you talked to us about that your sister did with her husband, right? Like in a psychology course or something oh, about the yeah laying out the time the timeline laying about the timeline and just kind of on the timeline putting like basically all the like painful things that have happened in your life because that's the inventory of the stuff that's going to come out when you fight yeah and i mean this kind of came up recently for me that my partner and i were sort of fighting about like housework and the dishes and he relayed to me later on that like hey my father used to come home and like talk about this and get really upset about Things like housework and the dishes and stuff. And that was the first thing that he would do often when he came into the room after coming home from work. And so it was very triggering to hear you talk about it in an angry tone or being upset about it in some way. And so for me personally, I know like, hey, I if if we're going to be discussing that various thing, then I need to be understanding in the way in which I speak about it, because it's potentially triggering to my partner if I don't do it in the correct way. Right. And that leads to the next thing, which is that, you know, knowing each other's weaknesses gives you each the opportunity to extend some grace, some forgiveness, some benefit of the doubt to your partner when they come up. It doesn't mean that like everything gets excused. You know, it doesn't mean like, okay, well, they had this family trauma because this thing happened to them in a past relationship. That means I get to never say anything or that I have to just like grin and bear it. But it does open up that little window of being able to have that compassion. Absolutely. And yeah, just knowing each other's weaknesses can enable you to work towards getting better and maybe overcoming your weaknesses. And this is a challenging thing because I don't think you it, we talked about this before, like you don't want to be your partner's parents. You don't want to just like bring up every single time like, hey, I see this thing that you're doing again and again and again, because that can lead to criticism and lead to just a whole host of problems as well. But if one can do it in a compassionate way, and I think being able to know stories of origin and, you know, where your partner's coming from with all of those things, it can lead to more compassion when discussing things like this. So ultimately, with that, it can hopefully bring the two of you closer together and have more intimacy overall. And that's kind of what we want on this podcast in general (laughs) more communication more intimacy and more love and something that in going through this something that's really brought up for me that i think ties this also back to kind of where we started this whole episode is this idea that weaknesses are often also strengths in a different context and that in terms of how to compassionately 
work together with each other on these weaknesses. One way is that is instead, like say, for example, that something's come up where I'm frustrated with Dedeker being stubborn about something, say uh, that if I'm able to remind myself, this is also her persistence and her ability to get stuff done and continue something even when it's hard, even when she's facing adversity, that for one, I just see like, okay, this is also a positive trait. I'm frustrated with maybe this aspect of it, but I don't want to crush this whole thing. It's not like I don't want her to be this way because it's such a great strength of hers too. Same with like Emily will sometimes not speak up when she wants something or when something matters to her and I won't know it. And I can sometimes get frustrated with like, just tell me what you want. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had that in some of our company meetings where Dedeker and yeah. I are like, just tell us then please. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it's, I don't want to like crush that out of Emily entirely because that's also such a great strength of hers is being so compassionate and so, you know, caring about other people's feelings and other animals and creatures feelings and all that too (laughs) so i think that's one thing that can really help is realizing that all of these traits are probably very much tied to their strengths as well and that that doesn't mean you want to remove this thing but more finding ways in those moments to either help them identify or help you identify how can we move this into a more positive direction move this toward being a strength rather than right now being a weakness yeah well, I think that was a good overview, Jace. That was a good yeah. overview of like yeah. the whole thing. That was Very lovely. nice closing monologue. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. So for our bonus episode for our Patreon subscribers, we are going to uh, be taking a little relationship quiz, relationship strengths and weaknesses quiz. Uh, and it came from a research study of 1,550 couples in the United States. So we're all going to take this quiz, talk about our results, what they mean to us. And we would love to hear from you about what you thought about this episode, what your personal strengths and weaknesses are in relationships and personally, and just you know, how you're overcoming those weaknesses, how you're overcoming maybe weaknesses that you have in your polyamorous relationships and your relationships with your parents and friends and with your individual self. So the best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, and you can email us at info at multiamory.com. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Dedeker Winston, and me, Emily Matlack. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvaneta. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistants are Rachel Schenewerk and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forums I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. 